Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Testament book of Habakkuk. The Old Testament book of Habakkuk, of course, found inside of the Minor Prophets section. One of my favorite books. I love the book of Habakkuk. So many good messages and studies that we could get from the book of Habakkuk. Remember, in the Minor Prophets section, there are 12 Minor Prophets. It is uh, the last section within the Old Testament. And if you were to take uh, find the gospel record of Matthew and turn the other direction. You'll come to Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai, Zephaniah, and then come to the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk and chapter number two. The book of Habakkuk, chapter number two. Now remember the book of Habakkuk, the context of it is that the uh, children of Israel, the city of Judah, is going to be destroyed. That as Habakkuk looks at um, his country and he sees all the things that are going wrong, he does what is normal. He prays to God. He was surprised, however, that God answered back. And they get in a conversation that God reveals that the Babylonians are going to come and they're going to destroy the nation. Well, Habakkuk, of course, brings up the objection that says, hey, they're worse than we are. And God says, see, I told you that if I told you what I was going to do, you wouldn't believe me. And uh, God had a plan, and he's going to use the most wicked nation of that time to come take over the children of Israel for the purpose of solving their spiritual problems. How does that work out? Well, that's a wonderful God that we have, that he's able to work such things out. But we come to an interesting passage as God is condemning the Babylonians, and he's listing all the things that are wrong. In fact, God is going to punish the Babylonians and destroy the Babylonians after this account. And he gives a listing of why he's going to do so. And we come to the book of Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 15. And we come to this statement. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 15. It says, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him drunken, also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. And notice the phrase right here, woeth unto him that giveth his neighbor to drink. And with this, as we're in our Sunday school class of issues of life answered from the Bible, we're going to answer the question, what does the Bible say about liquor? What does the Lord say about liquor? Now, I know that this isn't a popular message today. This is a message that uh, many Christians have actually come up and try to give objections to. I don't know how many times a Christian says, I've done a research on alcohol in the Bible and there's nothing wrong with drink in the Bible. Well, they must not be looking hard because what God says about liquor is very clear and very emphatic that God hates liquor. 
God hates liquor. Now, in case you are not familiar with my stand, I'll be honest with you up front, I'm a teetotaler, meaning that I don't believe that any Christian should consume alcohol as a beverage. That is my conviction. That is where I am at. And so you may not be there, but I do want to show you and answer the question, what does the Bible have to say concerning liquor? Well, we understand... (laughs) That this is something, as we come to this series of answering questions from the Bible, this is one that every Christian is going to be asked and is going to have to come up with an answer eventually. Because if you were to ask a lost person and ask someone who's not saved, who is not in church, who's not involved with church, and you ask them, should a Christian drink? Their answer would be, no. no. Well, the lost world knows that. But somehow, when someone becomes a Christian, they all of a sudden don't know how to act as a Christian. And you ask some Christians, most Christians, a majority of Christians, can, uh, can a Christian drink and be right with God? And their answer is, yeah, sure, why not? And they come with it. Again, I receive that time and time again. I'll have someone come up and try to argue with me. Now, they have to be persuaded in their own mind, but you cannot convince me that the Bible shows a favorable attitude towards alcohol. And again, we're going to show it. But if we could take it a step further, we just had a missions revival. And we know that the world as a whole sees the United States, America, as a Christian nation. And whatever they see on TV, whatever they see in our commercials, whatever they see they do, because they see us as a Christian nation, they also see that as what Christians do. And so we understand the testimony of our television, the testimony of our movies, is what the world thinks Christians do. Now you say, well, eh, that's not a big deal. Well, what happens when you go to a Muslim world who is radical Muslim, who said we have to obey these laws, and they say, listen, you don't want to become a Christian because look at the Christians. They drink. We do not. Look at the Christians, how immodest they dress. We do not. Look at the Christians and look at how they behave. We do not. And so what they do is that they compare Americanism and compare it with Christianity. And they give an alternative to people who have a more conservative type view and say this is not how we're supposed to live. We'd rather have this Islam because it matches better with what we believe God lines up than what they perceive Americanized Christianity has. So we have to understand that our actions have a worldwide impact. And so this question is not an idea of personal preference. This has the idea of testimony and an after effect of world evangelization. And so this is something that we must be able to answer from the word of God. And so again, as we come up here, we can understand the seriousness that God has concerning the idea of alcohol. And with it, let's start here. First of all, drinking alcohol causes suffering. Drinking alcohol uh, causes suffering. Notice if you don't mind, again in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, Whoa! That word woe carries the idea of a hard curse. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink. We understand that drinking alcohol causes suffering in the lives of those that drink it and the lives of others. 
Consider these statistics. With every drink, according to the people who study such things, one drink shortens a life by 20 minutes. Well, you say, well, 20 minutes isn't long. Well, you keep compounding drink after drink after drink, and it could definitely affect someone's life. More than uh, 25,000 people are killed, and 750,000 are injured on American highways each year because of alcohol. And again, as a chaplain for 12 different police departments, I see that all the time. Alcohol-related incidents. Things that would have not have happened if alcohol was not involved. 86% of all murders and 65% of all child abuse is alcohol-related. Over 200,000 Americans die each year because of their own consumption of alcohol or because of someone else's consumption of alcohol. We understand that even without touching the Bible, we can see the statistics of how it causes suffering and shame. Alcohol has never built a home, but it's destroyed many homes. Alcohol has never lifted up a person, but it has destroyed many people's lives. Now, if you've never taken one single drink, you still have to worry about alcohol because one out of two Americans will be involved in an alcohol-related accident in his lifetime. So even if you don't drink, because of someone else's drinking, it could affect your life. We know that the world is suffering for many reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is this beverage of alcohol. And we know that our God does not desire the suffering of people. This is not an effect that he would have wanted on people. No wonder he says, woe! This idea of woe carries the idea of a hard curse. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor to drink. We know that drinking alcohol causes suffering. We know that's a non-biblical answer, but it is a real statistical answer. We can look at the effects of alcohol. But let's go on and see some more. We know that drinking alcohol causes shame. Drinking alcohol causes shame. Notice with me in Habakkuk chapter 2. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor to drink, and putteth thy bottle to him, and makest him drunken also, that thou mayest look upon their nakedness. Notice verse 16. Thou art filled with shame for glory. Drink thou also, and let thy foreskin be uncovered. The cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned into thee, and shameful spewing shall be on thy glory. Oh, notice this. In verse 15, it says that there's a correlation between drunkenness and nakedness. That how much immorality goes on because of alcohol. There used to be an old country song that says the girls are all getting prettier near closing time. It's not an appropriate song. But, you know, we understand that's the effect. There are people who get in relationships who normally would not be involved with someone else if it wasn't for alcohol. Notice in verse 16, for thou art filled with shame for glory. So you replace glory and you've given it, instead you get shame. Drink thou also and let the foreskin be uncovered. Once again, the idea of immorality. The cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned unto thee. It carries the idea that God is going to remove his blessings because of alcohol and the sufferings from it. But notice this, and shameful spewing shall be on thy 
glory. So here it has the idea, someone's glory, what they've worked for, the things that they've done in their life, their testimony and everything. And what happens because of alcohol? Shameful spewing. They throw up on their glory. How many people have been in a shameful position? Maybe they were a person of character. Maybe they were a person of reputation. But because of alcohol, because of drink, what happens is their testimony falls apart. Their glory falls apart. Their reputation falls apart. That They become no longer trusted. That it just ruins things that they worked hard to build. And the Bible says that there's a lot of shame that comes because of that. Now, by the way, this isn't the only passage that speaks about alcohol. There's quite a few more. Let's just look at a couple so that way you could see that this isn't just one passage. But the Bible speaks about it over and over. We're in the Minor Prophets. Look to the Minor Prophet of Hosea. Hosea is the first Minor Prophet. Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4. Now, again, we're speaking about the idea that in the Bible and in life, that alcohol, drink, brings shame upon someone's life. And we understand that there is a correlation between drink and immorality. Notice in Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4, notice with me in verse number 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will re also reject thee. That thou be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, and I will also forget thy children. We're going to go on. But if we just parked in that verse, let's not even hit the context. Whatever the context is going to be, this is a frightening thing. That it says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will reject thee. By the way, what is the knowledge he's speaking about? The knowledge of God. You know, as we're going to see the context, it's actually going to talk about drinking here. But it's because of the people choosing drink and rejecting God's knowledge. It's almost like a correlation. You choose to follow and close to God or you choose your drink. And that because of that, they're going to be destroyed. But notice the end of that verse I will also forget thy children. That again, if we were just to take this outside of context and before we looked into it, whatever this context is, it's pretty dangerous that would cause God to have results upon your children. Whatever he's speaking about. That should be enough for someone to say, I want to find out the context. I want to find out what it is here that can cause this this judgment come from God. I don't want my children to have blessings removed because of my actions. Notice in verse 7. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. Now we've already seen that phraseology already. To change their glory into shame. They've given up the, their testimony. They've given it up and they've changed it in for shame. They eat up the sin of my people. They set their heart on their iniquity. So they're determined that they're going to continue in their sin. Verse number 9. And there shall be like people, like a priest, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their doings. For they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase because they left off to take heed of the Lord. Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. The Bible says that these two things of alcohol and whoredom, 
The thing that America seems to be based off right now, you look at any commercial during Super Bowl, and you will have the idea of immorality and alcohol. This is what our country is based off now. Just looking at commercials, looking at any type of thing. And God says, it's because of these two things, their heart is away from me. That they now don't have a knowledge of me. They've walked away. They've chosen their sin. And because of that, there's going to be consequences on their children. And that their glory is going to be changed to shame. Why? Because of whoredom and drunkenness. Whoredom and alcohol. Immorality. And they go together. This idea over and over, you'll see in the Bible and in real life, how much alcohol and immorality go together. Well, let's look at another passage. Turn with me if you don't mind. Again, I'm not going to turn to them all. I'm just going to turn to enough that you could satisfy your knowledge that, hey, it's just not one passage. No, the Bible's pretty consistent out of its condemnation against alcohol. And again, I get hate mail, get people who don't like me, and I don't understand why you would like to defend it. Again, I'm a teetotaler, but I, I do not understand when you look at the Bible and see any prohibitions, even if there was some benefits, the prohibitions, the warnings outweigh. It should be enough to say, you know what? I might get close to it, but I'd rather not because I don't want to cross the edge. Even if I thought I was almost allowed, I would stay away from it. Because of the consequences that the Bible says. Isaiah chapter uh, 28. Notice with me in verse number 7. Isaiah 28 verse 7. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. And the priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. And then it goes on and, and um, gives more of this warning here. But again, here's another passage here that talks about that in Isaiah chapter 28 verse 7. That they've erred because of strong drink. It's because of strong drink that they've left the way. Because of strong drink they've left the knowledge of God. Again another passage. You'll find more. You go look in the book of Proverbs. There's many warnings. There's so many books that give a warning of the dangers of liquor. And how dangerous it is. How many people started off. A man handsome and strong, but alcohol destroyed his life. How many young ladies who started off with a bright future, pretty and innocent, and alcohol has destroyed their life? And by the way, just because I am a teetotaler and I want to explain why, all of them always started off with just one drink. Just one drink. Could have been something like, hey, I know that you're a Christian and, and you don't drink, but let's go to the bar together and let's just watch the game together and you can have a Coke and you're fine. And the guy goes to the bar and has a good time with his friends. The sky doesn't fall. Lightning doesn't hit him. He lives. It's fine. Well, he does it a couple more times. And the next thing you know, there's a celebration, a birthday party. And we can't celebrate with a Coke. Just what's wrong with just one drink? And so he drinks, the sky doesn't fall, lightning doesn't hit him, he survives. And then he says, well, you know, my friends are doing it, might as well, it didn't hurt me before. And they fall into this trap. 
And it all started with one drink. And next thing you know, his life is ruined. The story is repeated over and over and over. And it has turned their glory into shame. And the Bible says it, and we see it played out in our society over and over and over. Let me give you some good news here. Drinking alcohol can be stopped. Drinking alcohol can be stopped. You understand that our world today tries to label it as a disease. And by the way, I'm not downplaying the power of addiction. The power of addiction gets handholds. But they seem to teach that even if you stop drinking, you are always going to be a drunkard. By the way, that's the Bible word for it. You're a drunkard. And they want to say that it's a disease and not sin. Well, let me tell you, it's the only disease that God will bring judgment down upon you. A disease is not a choice. You can't be punished for having disease. You understand it is a choice that someone makes. It is sin. Now with that, because of it, that also means that there's hope. You're not stuck with a disease that's uncurable. We have the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who can change someone's life so completely that they have no desire to drink ever again. That's the wonderful news. That's the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. That I don't have to be in bondage with drink. That the Lord Jesus Christ will help you. Now again, I'm not downplaying the, the hold addiction has. Addictions can hold on to people and put a tight grip. But I'm thankful that our Lord Jesus Christ is bigger than any addiction. And that's the good news that we have is that the Lord Jesus Christ is the answer. And he can help you. And by the way, the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of God has helped people more than any AA meeting. And I'm not downplaying the the benefits that AA has had in people's life. But again, the Lord Jesus Christ is better. He's the best. And he can help you. And there is hope. You know, as a preacher, it's always interesting to see uh, things that come across my desk. When I was pastoring in Tennessee, the county that we lived in um, was not allowing liquor sales except in box stores, actual liquor stores. So you could not buy alcohol in a grocery store, amen. You couldn't buy it in other stores. And uh, in Tennessee, by the way, is what is referred to as the Bible Belt, meaning that everyone has a Christian background. It's no longer really the Bible Belt. It's a religious belt, but very few people follow the Bible. And as they were preparing a vote for our county uh, to allow liquor to be sold in all stores, not just the box stores, I had a liquor store that sent a letter to every church. And I have it in my files. It's amazing. This liquor store wrote to us as the church. And in it, it spoke about all the evils of liquor. It said how awful liquor is. And how people should not be drinking liquor. And how it's going to destroy our county if we allow other stores to sell liquor. Now, I understand the motives that they had, that they didn't want other stores to go into there. But you understand, they had a point. They were able to say, the liquor store was able to say, and try to convince churches. Now, the point was, is that if every Christian, or everyone who claimed to be a Christian, voted to the conscience according to the Bible, meaning that they said, I'm going to stand where the Bible says, and we are not going to allow more liquor to be sold inside of our county. If every person who claimed to be a Christian voted according to the Bible, that would have not have passed. 
Well, you could probably guess how that law ended up passing inside of our county. It passed with flying colors. In a county that claimed to be mostly Christians. Why is this so important? We need to know for ourselves what the Bible has to say. And of course, if you need more, I've got pamphlets, I've got booklets, I've got whatever else to help you with your study to see what the Bible has to say against liquor. We're not taking time to turn all the passage, but we understand that liquor causes suffering and shame. That, that liquor, <coughs> it causes shame, it causes suffering, it takes people's glory and turns it to shame. It causes suffering in people's lives. But it can be stopped. The Lord Jesus Christ to give grace. But we as biblical people. Biblical defensible position. We don't need to be able to say. Well that's not what I believe. We need to find out what does the Bible say. And make a stand there. This is one of the questions that every Christian. Is going to have to deal with. Sometime or another. Inside of their Christian life. My teenage daughter has already had to deal with that. And had to make a stand. And defend her position. By the way it didn't hurt her to be able to defend her position. But I'm thankful that we have a clear position. To stand on in the Bible. That we can see what the Bible says. And by the way. If you are stuck in that addiction of alcohol. I'm not trying to beat up on you. I'm trying to show you what the Bible says. But I want to give you hope that you can get help. And we want to help you. And you can be delivered. And you can be spared from some of the consequences that could be in your life. Because of the evils of alcohol. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.